Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. Last week I got pulled over by the police while driving at night with only one headlight. I said to the cop, If Jacob Dylan can do it, why can't I? I'm kidding, I was very respectful. Although when the policeman asked me if I knew one of my headlights was out, I said, No officer, I had no idea. The truth was, however, I did suspect one of my headlights was out because my car's reflection on the bumper of the car I was driving behind made it look like my car was winking at me. Regardless, I took care of it over the weekend, and uh, I did it myself because I'm not a wealthy guy, and the, the replacement part only cost me 25 bucks and some scratches on my hands from digging around under the hood, so now I look like I got in a fight with a surly alley cat. The, the point of this story is to say... If I can save some cash by fixing something myself, I will. And I'll use that money I save to buy things that will make me happy, like candy and comic books and novels. And speaking of novels, did you know I'm the author of 11 self-published novels that are all available for purchase right now at Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats? It's true! And if you don't use Amazon, you can buy all of my books in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find my stories on Google Play. Folks, you are listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. If you'd like to help support myself and this podcast monetarily, the best way to do that is to purchase any or all of the self-published novels I just mentioned. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Hello, people are the enemy listeners. This is episode 311 of the greatest podcast you've ever heard. People are the enemy. Thank you so much. Should we say people are the enemy one more time? People are the enemy. People are the enemy. People are the enemy. Hope your weekend went well. Sing it back. All right. Get into the show. I do love it. Good stuff. Beck from the album Odelay. That was the song Hot Wax. I love it. I was listening to Beck last week. I listened to both Odelay and Mellow Gold. I love Mellow Gold. That was the one with Loser on it. The big single. The breakthrough single. The crossover single, as they say. 
a lot of great songs on there. You know which one I love is that uh, Nightmare Hippie Girl. <laughs> I think my favorite part is when he's just like, uh, uh, she's got tofu the size of Texas. <laughs> she's got a thousand lonely husbands. <laughs> I just love it when he's naming off all these things she has. She's playing footsie in another dimension. I love that part of the song. I was just walking around the house saying those lines. So good. So poetic. Oh, Beck. Oh, Beck. He's wonderful, isn't he? Beck? I'm glad we have him. Hey, uh, is Odalie a better album than Nirvana's Nevermind? I think it might be. I don't say, I don't think, like, Mellow Gold is. Mellow Gold has some, some, uh, softer, weak moments. I say softer, I'm being polite. But yeah, some weaker moments on there. It's like those sludgy, like, steal my body home. And there's another one on there that's pretty kind of weak. But there's some great, great high highlights on Mellow Gold. But I think everything was corrected by Odelay. That was a, uh, a quite an album there. My goodness. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I saw Jim Gaffigan last night in Medford, Massachusetts. My dad bought tickets to see Mr. Gaffigan. I'd seen him once in Boston with my wife. Probably about 15 years ago. I think he might, like, it was so long ago, I think he did um, the Hot Pockets bit. <laughs> if you know Gaffigan's work, you know the Hot Pockets bit. That was kind of the one that, uh, speaking of breakthroughs, that was the one that put him on the map. He did not do the Hot Pockets bit last night. <laughs> but uh, he put on an amazing, amazing uh, 45, 50-minute set. It was very good, very good. And he was uh, preceded by... Eugene Merman, who you may know from Bob's Burgers, he middled, and uh, and uh, Ted Alexandro kicked off the night, and uh, Ted Alexandro was very good also. It's funny, I only knew Ted Alexandro by name, I think probably because I've heard other comics mention him, that he'd be, uh, on, they'd be on the road with other comics and whatnot, and uh, so I, if, I, if I'd ever seen him, I, I don't recall meaning like on uh, television or something like that. But uh, his set was very strong. He was very funny. And um, e Eugene Merman, I mean, you, it's tough to middle. I get it. And I'm not saying Eugene Merman did a bad job. He did a, he did a solid job, you know, keeping the crowd entertained. And, uh, but he kept it brief and then handed things off to Mr. Gaffigan, who came out and destroyed. Wonderful, wonderful. What was odd was that, like... Um, at the end of his set, at the end of Gaffigan's set, uh, and again, mind you, we're in Medford, Massachusetts, which is like, you know, 20 minutes outside of Boston, maybe not even. And uh, he played New York by Jay-Z and Alicia Keys as he walked off the stage. Like, played the whole song. And I'm like, oh, this is not the right audience for that, Jim. <laughs> for those who don't know, if you don't live in New England, you don't know there's a rivalry between Boston and New York. It's gone on for years and years and years and uh yeah bostonians do not like to be reminded <laughs> of new york so it was kind of an odd choice but uh and, and it doesn't seem in, in jim gaffigan's character to try to like kind of uh needle his audience like he used to do a whole dunkin donuts bit that was great and i don't think it, it necessarily made fun of new englanders only just poked fun at the ubiquitousness of dunkin donuts in the Boston area. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it was odd. I thought that was an odd choice. And I looked around and people didn't seem to be bothered. You know, I think, you know, people enjoyed the show and uh, the lights came up and everybody was uh, departing the theater. Nobody, nobody said anything. I no, For all I know, like not too many people noticed, but I did. I was like, yo, really? New York? This is not the audience for that, buddy. <laughs> These people do not want to hear the, the, those two words. Shoot. Um, I was thinking about sleepaway camp this past week. I uh, I went away to a, a sleepaway camp only once, and I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. And uh, my dad was reminding me of this. And um, man, it was not for me. I was not ready to be away from home. He signed me up for a computer camp of all things, but it was, um, I know it's a weird thing to think about, but it was on a lake. And there was like a cabin where all these computers were. And basically, it was like a computer lab where they had a robot, and uh, I'd spend the days there. But I, man, the first night there in the cabin, like uh, not you know, not in the cabin where the computers were. That was a separate place. But uh, the campers all stayed in like these little cabins with these bunk beds. And um, I saw a kid get a wedgie on the first day. <laughs> I was like, "F this," <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they gave this kid a wedgie all the, the, the boys in my cabin. And I was like, yo, I am not, I, that is not happening to me. <laughs> so I swear to God, man, I didn't talk to anybody. I, uh, had a baseball hat. I had like an A, this was the company my dad worked for. I don't even know what the, these initials stood for, but my, my hat said ASI in like NASA styled letters. If you can picture that, like the, uh, like retro futuristic sort of lettering, and it was like a trucker's hat with like the netting behind it. And I just said, I'm keeping this hat on my head. I'm not taking off any clothes. I think I slept in my sneakers. I swear to God, I didn't take off my pants all week. Because <laughs> I, was, I was terrified of getting a wedgie. I had like, I had a sleeping bag. I laid out my sleeping bag. This is what I would do at night when it was time to go to sleep. I had like, um, I had a, a like a raincoat. I think, I don't know if it was a raincoat or like a windbreaker. But yeah, no, so mind you, like I'm 10, maybe 11 years old, you know, and the, and the camp counselors were all British. They were like all British, um, probably like um, seniors or like 17, 18 year old men, you know, uh, who must have been part of some kind of transfer program. And they were super. These guys were so nice. They were all from England. They all loved the police. They all loved Sting because Sting had just, I think, just released his solo album. But they were playing nothing but, like, Sting and the Police. So they all seemed to really, really like Sting and the Police for whatever reason. Maybe he was just really hot that summer in England. And uh, and uh, these British boys really liked that. But uh, And they were the nicest. They were great. But they'd say, lights out, boys. All right, everybody go to sleep. That sounds like an Australian. I'm sorry about that. I'm not good with the impressions. But this is what I would do because, again, I was terrified I, I swear to God, I would I would take off my ASI hat, <laughs> this hat that I still don't know what those initials stood for. It could have been something terrible. I have no idea. And uh, it was just one of the many companies that my father worked for during the 80s. I would take off this dumb hat. I would put it on my chest like a freaking cowboy and lie down in all my clothes with my jeans on, on top of my um, sleeping bag. And I was on the bottom bunk. And I would just go to sleep like that. That's what I would do. And the next morning, the sun would come up and the counselors would wake us up. And I'd take my hat and I'd put it on my head. 
And I guess I went and I had breakfast. I don't remember. I don't remember, like, making any friends. I remember thinking, like, oh, this girl was really cute in the computer class. You know, and again, mind you, I'm 10, I'm 11 years old. You know what I mean? So I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking like, she looks nice, you know? Like, oh, she likes computers, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> And of course, she was enjoying her camp experience. She had all these friends and everything, and she was, she seemed happy there. That's the one thing I remember, but I was just miserable. I remember getting stung by wasps. Like, the first day, like, wasps came out of the ground, out of, like, a hole in the ground, and stung me. Like, right after my, my, my parents dropped me off there. I was like, I just wanted to cry. I just hated it. And at one point, like, they rallied all the kids up. They're like, all right, everybody's got a shower. All the boys got a shower. You know, because they had, like, a shower there. And I was like, F that. I ain't doing that. I'm not taking off nothing. I saw that guy get a wedgie. I was just terrified. You know what I mean? Like I said, it was too young to be at sleepaway camp. I don't know how I dodged it. I just hid. I must have just hid in the woods or something. And just waited until all the boys had come back from the uh, shower. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I'm clean too. And I'm standing there in the clothes I've been wearing all week that I have not taken off. I don't even know, like... Like, like, there was swimming. Like, I remember, like, how did I get out of that? I got out of everything. I think I just was just like, I'm like, I'm just, if I just stay in these clothes and I just stay in the, the computer lab, maybe nobody will bother me. Who the hell goes, camp, like, goes to, like, a sleepaway camp at a computer lab? It's the weirdest damn thing ever. So odd. And what's up with that bat on the Bacardi bottle? <laughs> no, I'm not drinking. I was just looking at it today. I'm like... Why is there a bat on the bottle? It's like, what is it, made with bats? What's that all about? Are you getting tired of my talking? Too bad. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. Listen, listen. Okay, there's one more show after this one um, in the month of December. It'll drop on Christmas Day, okay? And I'm going to tell you this, okay? All right, I'm going to tell you this, all right? I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want you to get your hopes up. Okay, because I know God knows in this world anything can happen. Okay, we may have a big guest. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right, Christmas Day, a new episode of this show will drop. Okay, it'll be the last episode of the month of December. It'll be the last episode for the year of 2023. The year of 2023. Who the hell says that? The year 2023. <laughs> okay. We may have a big guest, okay? <sighs> but again, anything can happen. Here's what I'd like you to do, okay? If you're interested in knowing who this guest is, follow People Are the Enemy on X. <sighs> I hate saying that. And or Blue Sky, okay? And you find it by... it's. If you're not already following it, it's people are the letter R, the enemy. It's it's the same way on both X ugh, and Blue Sky. Okay, if you don't you don't want to be on those social media sites, if you don't want to look at those, you can follow me, Andy Mascola, on Threads. Okay, because I post I post show updates on those three social media sites, and I post links to the latest episode. I basically I I I I. Uh, I, I, I want to say, like, I don't know how, how to put this, like, I guess I parse it out. I guess that's the best way to say it during the week, you know, in this way, this way, I'm not just inundating all these sites all at the same time, like a shotgun blast 
with information. What I like to do is I like to go post a show on X on Monday, then I take a day off, then Wednesday I post the show on Blue Sky, and then on Thursday I post it on Threads. And it seems to get attention from all three places by people who listen to the show, so it's good. I feel like it's working. And uh, in this way, you know, it keeps the show, the episode, alive for the week. But I'm going to post this... I'm going to post this announcement about our guests beginning Thursday, okay? In the first place, it's going to post is on X, okay? So I want you to I want you to pay attention if you're not already, okay? Why is the DMV only open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30? Who the hell can go to the DMV? If you have a regular full-time job, no one's going to the DMV. you got to take time off of work to do that. Why don't they have, like, the DMV open from, like, noon till 9? Why, like, why do the DMV get workers get to have, like, 8 a.m. to 4.30 hours? No offense to DMV workers, but, I mean, come on. It doesn't jive with other people's lives. Come on. Gosh, darn it. Okay, um, you want to hear some clips? I mean, some people probably are, at this point, only coming for the clips. But, yeah, I've got clips for you. So, uh, let's, uh, let's cue that, uh, clip music intro. Okay, this first clip is a guy, I think he's like a music producer, I'll, I'll give you his TikTok handle, but uh, he's talking about why he loves music. Okay, it's pretty interesting. I, I always say, and it, was in, it caught me on TikTok when I saw this guy monologuing about this, monologizing about this, but because um, he initially says, like, music is not sports, and I always say, like, music is my sports, but... By that, I only ever mean I like to follow bands and artists the same some and root for bands and artists the same way some sports fans root for um, teams and players. Okay, but uh, yeah, this guy this guy had had something to say about the difference between sports and music and why he loves music. I thought this was quite good. Check this out. Music isn't sports. There's no one that's the best drummer that plays the fastest doesn't win the guitar player that plays the most notes doesn't win greatest singers aren't the don't win anything the world's filled with people that are better than you they're filled with people you know just noodling to their heart's content all of the technique of your instruments of your craft whatever it's only a tool to tap into the intangible quality of your nature and when you have that the X factor, soul, whatever you want to call it. When you have that something, that is what people connect with. It is not important to a certain degree how well you play or how complex it is. It is only about connecting with people and moving people. And that is why I love music. Wasn't that great? I really like that. The more I've heard it, the more I like it. And I really... Uh, I really respond to it. David Alexander is that fellow's name, and I believe he is a producer. Um, but if you're looking for him on TikTok, you can find him, David Alexander. I That was the only clip of his that I I saw and watched. But uh, based on that, I, I'm guessing if his other clips are that insightful, he's probably got some good uh, good information. I want to play one other clip here. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the end of my segment, but uh, I don't know if... 
longtime listeners of The Best Show remember this, but there is a time when, there was a time when The Best Show with Tom Sharpling was on WFMU, <clears throat> and he would regularly torture listeners by playing Billy Joel. Do you remember that? I mean, one thing that he would do is he would torture uh, listeners by playing Miles Davis's Pangaea. He did that too. And uh, because uh, because WFMU listeners tend to be music snobs, they kind of liked the Pangaea, but the, the Billy Joel they, they hated. And uh, Tom would do this thing where he'd, he'd uh, say, I'm going to announce my artist of the year. And then he'd play like four songs by Billy Joel. It was just awful. Well, it turns out this uh, indie, indie guy, Alex G., is uh, doing the same thing. He punishes his audiences during live performances with Billy Joel. Check this out here. This is a clip of Alex G. preparing to punish his audience for 20 minutes of Billy Joel's Piano Man. At this point, he's taking out his phone and he's setting a timer to time himself. And he's sitting at a, a keyboard here. Alex G is setting a, a, his phone up to time himself for 20 minutes to torture his audience with 20 minutes of Billy Joel's Piano Man. Every time the crowd misbehaves, he says. Now, I don't know if Alex G... <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I don't know if Alex G is a fan of The Best Show or if any of uh, his uh, bandmates are, but um, I thought it was interesting that he was doing this, which, again, was um, an old Sharpling thing where uh, Sharpling would use Billy Joel to torture his audience. But uh, Or maybe just uh, Billy Joel is considered, like, uh, torturous to listen to by uh, by lots of people. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this is uh, this has been a fun one. I want you guys, again, to pay attention to social media. Big announcement. It'll be announced Thursday on X, on the sites. Um, I'm sorry, on the show's X profile, if you don't already follow it. And uh, it'll, it'll appear again on Blue Sky and on Threads uh, during, during the week. So, pay attention. Big announcement. Big guest for the Christmas Day episode, okay? And at this point, I'm going to hand things off to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone and their cats who listened last week. Namely, listener Tavy, who let me know her cat, Neelix, indicated approval by not leaving the room when the segment was on. 
I also got nice comments from Sherry, Jill, Jeffrey, Andy, and Josh, who recommends the song Jubilation for further Norma Tanega listening. This week is the 94th chart chat I have done, and to mark the occasion, I decided to take a look at the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 1994. The artist that appears most frequently in this uh, Top 100 is Mariah Carey, with three solo appearances and one duet with Luther Vandross. Ace of Bass, Babyface, and Janet, Janet Jackson and Tevin Campbell all also had three songs, and there was 14 artists with two appearances. In the collection, there are nine cover songs, which I thought seemed high, uh, and I looked at, took a cursory glance at the 93 one, and there was eight. Went back to 92, and there were six, and then in 95, there was four. So I, and that's, might not be accurate. That's just doing the best I can from a quick scan. So nine out of those four years is high. Uh, the nine covers are, at coming in at number four, Celine Dion's cover of The Power of Love, done originally by Jennifer Rush back in 86, and also by Air Supply. Uh, their versions hit 57 and 68, respectively, while Celine took hers to number one. Uh, number 15 on the year is Wild Night by John Mellencamp with Michelle and Deggie Ocello. That hit a peak of number three. Uh, the song was originally done by Van Morrison, and it hit number 28 back in 71. Coming in at number 16 was Without You by Mariah Carey, and that made it to number three, while Harry Nilsson's original hit number one back in 72. At number 21 is Baby I Love Your Way from the Reality Bites soundtrack by Big Mountain. Their version made it to number 6, while back in 1976, Peter Frampton took the song to number 12. At number 28 is So Much In Love by All For One. Uh, that was a hit for The Times way back in 63. They took it to number 1. Timothy B. Schmidt of The Eagles also charted a hit in 1982, which made it to number 59. The All For One cover hit number 5. Coming in at 40 on the year is Because the Night by 10,000 Maniacs. They made it to number 11 with that song. The original was done by the Patti Smith Group, written by Patti and Bruce Springsteen. Their version hit number 13 in 1978. It was kind of the breakthrough for Patti Smith. At number 56 on the year is Endless Love. That is uh, Luther Vandross and Mariah Carey on that duet. They took it to number two. It was originally done by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross, who took it to number one in August of 1981. And I saw that it was also uh, later covered by the Glee cast in 2009. Made it to number 78 at that time. Another soundtrack song uh, coming in at number 66 is I Can See Clearly Now, which was from Cool Runnings. Uh, that was performed by Jimmy Cliff. And his version made it to number 18, while the original was done by Johnny Nash back in 72, and his made it to number one. And the last cover that I want to mention is I'll Take You There from the movie Threesome by the group General Public. Their version hit number 22, while the Staple Singers original made it to number one back in 1972. So in addition to these covers, there's also one song that is technically a remix, which is the uh, Four Seasons, December 1963, in parentheses, Oh What a Night, that was originally done by them, kind of a later hit for them in March of 1976. And then it was remixed by a Dutch DJ in the late 80s and got put out as a single and made it to number 14 as a remix. And that was one that I really remember hearing a lot at the time. So in addition to songs that were out and out covers, there was also several songs with notable samples. At number 20 on the year is Fantastic Voyage by Coolio, which has a sample of the original Fantastic Voyage by Lakeside. At number 22 is Regulate by Warren G featuring Nate Dogg. 
and the sample from that was I Keep Forgetting by Michael McDonald. At number 41 is Cantaloupe Flip Fantasia by the group Us Three, and I learned that's based on a Herbie Hancock song, Cantaloupe Island. I definitely recommend listening to that because it, it's, it, this one really is edging on Is It Just a Cover, um, but that Herbie Hancock original is really good if you like Cantaloupe. Um, at number 62, uh, What's My Name by Snoop Doggy Dog, which of course samples uh, George Clinton's Atomic Dog. That was off his 1982 album, Computer Games. At number 75 is a song called Dreams by the artist Gabrielle, and it said that the original version sampled Fast Car, but then they had to take it out because they had not cleared the sample of the Tracy Chapman tune. Um, at number 85 on the year is one of my personal favorites, Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Aini Kamozi. And the na 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 chorus is said to reference Land of a Thousand Dances, specifically the version by Cannibal and the Headhunters. Um, I was more familiar with the Wilson Pickett version, and it seems like Cannibal came earlier, and theirs peaked at number 30 in 1965, and then Wilson Pickett took it to number 6 in uh, September of 66. And then the last sample I want to mention is the song Bop Gun in parentheses One Nation. And that is credited to Ice Cube featuring George Clinton. And the main sample there is uh, One Nation Under a Groove by Funkadelic, which had been a number 28 hit for the group in 1978. Uh, but that one does reference other uh, Funkadelic and Parliament songs uh, as, a, as the composition of the song. One thing that jumped out to me is how many older or more established artists uh, are represented on the chart. I took the criteria of anyone that had appeared on the Hot 100 prior to 1980, so if they had their first charting single in 79 or before. And so that would include artists like, well, there's a, it's a trio, I guess you'd call it, of Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting with their song All For One from the Three Musketeers soundtrack, which I recently heard referenced on the Hey Randy podcast. It was a true blast from the past. People don't realize this, the stranglehold that Brian Adams had for these soundtrack love ballads in the 90s. You know, we all remember Kenny Loggins doing it in the 80s. In the 90s, Brian Adams had the one from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, and then this All For Love from The Three Musketeers with the other two guys, and then Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman from the Don Juan DeMarco soundtrack. Uh, but this was the trio. Rod Stewart had his first appearance on the Hot 100 in 1971, and then Sting first reached the charts with his group The Police in 1979. Uh, Wild Night, in addition to being a cover, John Mellencamp had her first uh, chart success in 79. Uh, Elton John is on our chart at number 18 with Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. And he had his first album and single hit the charts in 1970. Prince, I think it's easy to forget. We think of him as such an 80s guy, but he did first reach the Hot 100 in 1978. Uh, he has on the charts with The Most Beautiful Girl in the World at 19, number 19 on the year. Meatloaf had a comeback this year. He has two appearances on the chart. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that at number 38, as well as Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through. And I just remembered that's also a cover. So that should be, our cover should be number 10, because that was a uh, Jim Steinman cover we talked about many, many weeks ago now. But uh, Meatloaf had his first chart success in, uh, he was actually, I learned this just from tonight. He had an earlier duo that he was in that reached the Hot 100 in 1971. But then his uh, solo success began in 1977 with that first Bad Out of Hell album. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, mentioned earlier, is on the year-end Hot 100 at number 54 with Streets of Philadelphia. And he had his first charting album and single in 75. Jimmy Cliff had been around for a while. He had his first uh, charting single in 69 and uh, 75 was his first charting album, The, the Harder They Come. 
It had been released in 72, but did not hit the Billboard 200 album chart until 75. I guess it took a little while to catch on. Um, Aerosmith are on this year-end chart twice with Crazy and Amazing off of that smash uh, Get a Grip album. And they first had chart success in 1973. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, their song Mary Jane's Last Dance off of their Greatest Hits compilation, came in at number 77 on the year. And 1977 was the first time they had a charting album and single. A Phil Collins song called Every Day that I could have thought I couldn't hum it, but then as soon as it came on, I just remembered it exactly. This is a little bit of a gray era because he appeared with Genesis on the charts. First single in the U.S. was 1977, but Phil, as a solo artist, did not chart until 81, but we'll count him anyways. Four Seasons, as mentioned, um, they had been around for a long time. They first had chart success with the song Sherry, and that's with a Y, back in 1962. Bonnie Raitt is on the year-end chart at number 94 with Love Sneaking Up On You, and I learned that her first charting single came in 1977. George Clinton is a credited artist on that Bop Gun song by Ice Cube that came in at number 99 on the year, and he first appeared on the charts in 1969 with Funkadelic. Well, if we have any time left, I just want to shout out some personal favorites. These are some of the dance tunes you can find in this year-end Hot 100. Um, 100% Pure Love by Crystal Waters, Another Night by Real McCoy, Tootsie Roll by 69 Boys, Mr. Vane by Culture Beat, Here Comes the Hot Stepper mentioned before, and of course, at number 97 on the year, What is Love by Hadaway with two Ds, the German artist. Classic song for him. Well, that's all the time I have this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. And then this All for Love from Three, three Musketeers. I almost said Three Amigos. Thank you, Rachel. I love that tag at the end. 94 chart chats! Holy smokes! Amazing! This has been episode 311 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.